So we're just, you know, so pleased to be here and so great to have some folks in the building again today as well. And I know there are people watching at home as well today who just want to just welcome you and just so pleased that you've been able to join us today. And we're going to continue with the Word of God um, this morning from where we left off last week. If you're if you able to join us last week and tune in, if not, you'll be able to play, uh, catch up as well through uh, our website and so, uh, media, social media website as well, where you can catch up with previous messages. And last week's will be on there as well. So if you, if you missed out, I'd encourage you to, to, to listen to that and watch that as well. What well, we looked at last week, Matthew chapter 24, and how Jesus, and the, as he spoke on the Mount of Olives, and this, this, this discourse he had with the disciples about end-time events, things that would happen relating to the second coming of Christ. So, I believe, so relevant for every single one of us today. I believe, indeed, that we are living in the last of the last days. And that, therefore, we need to take note of the words that Jesus spoke about. And in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, when we get to Matthew 25, as I, as I mentioned last week, the, the parable of the ten virgins, how it was that five of them were wise, and they were ready, and they were prepared, and yet five were foolish. They were unprepared. And I do believe that it had those five foolish been prepared, they'd been aware of the signs, and they'd been aware of the times, they would have been more prepared and ready. And I believe it's for so for, for you and I today that we would be ready for the times by which we live. So Matthew chapter, we looked at Matthew chapter 24 last week, looking from verse 1 to, to 14, and how Jesus talked about the signs of those times. That, that, that as, as I looked at, there'll be wars, there'll be famines, there'll be earthquakes, there'll be disasters, there'll be, you know, be people, deception will arise. It says the love of many would grow cold because of lawlessness as sin increases around us. And indeed, we've looked at over the years, and you can look over the years, how there has been such an increase around us of world disasters and difficulties and challenges. These things were the beginning of birth pangs, and I believe they're increasing. You know, we're seeing them increasing all the time. These are signs for us today that we're living in these last days. As we think of even the coronavirus around us, as it talks of pandemics, and that being, I would include within the pandemics as well, how that's globally affected the world around us today. Not just physically, but also economically, politically, and socially. We are living in these last days today. And then Jesus goes on in chapter 24, verse 15, as he goes through to 20 to 31, he speaks of this time of great tribulation. A time where the world will never know before. That Daniel speaks about in Daniel chapter 9 and Daniel chapter 12. Uh, and how it speaks of in Revelation. This time of hardship that the world will face. In fact, Jesus, these are the words of Jesus that he declares them himself to be. There'll be such times that the world has never known before or will never know again. That's how severe and how hard these times will be. As it speaks of these seven years, particularly the latter part of the seven years. So harsh and severe that Jesus said that the days will be cut short so that the people, if not, the people would not be saved, that flesh would not be saved. People would not survive. So he speaks of this time of tribulation, of great hardship that the world will face. And as I shared last week, I believe that these things that the Revelation talked about, they're already in place for, for these things to begin to happen. As signs, again, that we are living in these last days. We need to take note. And Jesus spoke about this for a reason. For us to take note today as well. 
And then he talked about the second coming. You know, I believe, you know, I believe in the rapture of the church. But when he talks about the second coming, when Jesus will come again at the end of the seven-year tribulation, where he'll set his feet on the Mount of Olives, and we begin to bring that rule and reign. Jesus Christ, we know this for sure and for certain, is imminent. It will happen. Jesus Christ is coming again. His words always prove true. His words always prove right. Jesus Christ will come again. And then he goes on in verse 32 to 35 about speaking of the parable of the fig tree. As you see the fig tree beginning to, to, to bear fruit, how you can see the seasons by looking at the fruit tree, the fruit of the fig tree. And indeed today, when we look at the signs around us, again, it's about being watchful and ready. As we look around us, we can see these signs around us. But then he goes on to verse 36, which we're going to come to in a moment. Before I do so, I just want to just explain something, because I think it's going to help us understand this passage a bit more. There are many different interpretations of, of, of this passage, but one thing that Jesus is a thread that's coming through this that we all need to take note is that we need to be watchful and we need to be ready and that Jesus will come again for his church at an hour that we do not expect. Be watchful and be ready. I'm sure, like me, I'm sure none of you want to go through the time of tribulation. Amen? I don't want to face what people will face in those days. It says that half of the population will be destroyed during that time. Horrific time. Plagues and pestilences like never before. Wars like never before. We know there's nuclear weaponry around and people are frightened of a third world war. What might happen as a result of that? I don't want to go through those times. And I believe the scriptures tell us that we will escape those times. Praise God. Let me just read a few scriptures to you that will give you hope this morning. That I believe we can rest assured in that God will deliver his church. Luke chapter 21, verse, uh, we can read from verse 36. Again, Jesus is speaking about things relating to the end times. It says, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Praise God, there is a great escape. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 9 to 10 says, For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, who he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Praise God. There is another one. Revelation 3 verse 10. Because you have kept my commands and persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which will come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell upon the earth. There is again Jesus, I believe. He will come again for his church and deliver us from the wrath that is to come. Now that doesn't mean that we won't be persecuted in the days that we're living in. Indeed, we know there will be great persecution upon the church. And the church worldwide is being persecuted in different nations. Nonetheless, what will be coming will be greater than we've ever known before. And Jesus, I believe, will come for his church and we will escape these times. We, look, we see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I hope the, uh, the scriptures may come up on the screen for you as well. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall be with the Lord Always. 
Therefore, comfort one another with these words. When Jesus Christ comes again on the cloud, it will be a glorious appearing, a magnificent appearing, a triumphant appearing. It says the trumpet will sound. There will be a shout of the archangels from heaven. It will be glorious as we, the church, will be caught together. And that's where we get the word rapture from. To be caught up together with Christ in the clouds. Imagine that day for us. Imagine that day of being caught up with Christ, escaping all these things from the world and being with Jesus forever and ever. No longer having to tolerate the things around us on this earth that we put up with day after day. The wickedness, the occultism, the, 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 the slanders, the accusation, the deceit, the immorality around us, being caught up with Jesus and being with our Savior, our Lord. I can't wait for that day. You know, we used to sing that song, didn't we? Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. Soon and very soon. How soon? How ready are each and every single one of us? So when we take this into account, or when we come to verse 36 of Matthew chapter 24, Jesus seems to now, he goes to come to draw close to the application of the disciples about how they are to be living in the days. How they're to be ready and how they're to be watchful. And as he's speaking to the disciples, he speaks to you and me today. How even, most, even more important is this to us today, 2,000 years later nearly? As Jesus spoke to his disciples, let him speak into our hearts today. In verse 36, But of that day and hour nobody knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. No one knows that day. When he talked to the tribulation, that time where he said that, you know, we'll have the seasons. And Daniel even pointed out how many days that would last for. But now he's talking about a day, an hour that we will not know. That's why I believe he's talking about the rapture of the church. That we're to be ready. We won't know when Jesus will come again. It won't be in our diaries like we have. We can't write in the diaries on this so-and-so date, Jesus is coming again. So I need to be ready on that day. We're not. It says no man knows. Many people have tried to predict that day, when it will take place. But no man knows. And if somebody tells you, then you don't listen to them. But we need to be ready for, for sure every single day of our lives. Not even the angels of heaven, but only my Father knows. Son of God does not know he's when he's speaking. The Father in heaven only knows. But it says, For as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah, uh, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. They'd be just like normal days. In the times of Noah, just note this, the times of Noah, it was a wicked time. In fact, we read in Genesis chapter Chapter 6, verse 5, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of the men was great in the earth, and that every intent and thoughts of his heart were only continually evil. When we look around us today, people who do not know Jesus, there is, seem to be men seem to be, sent, uh, seem to be bent on wickedness and evil and sin, seeking to fulfill their own desires and pleasures, neglecting the God, their Savior. There was wickedness, great violence across the earth. You think of today how much violence it is. The movies that portray such violence seems to have got worse and worse and worse over the years. We look at terrorism around our nation and, and around a, the, the, the globally as well, how that has impacted over the last 20 years, the impact and the increase of it. Violence will increase, wickedness will increase, hearts bent on evil. And we know, we read in 2 Peter, how 
Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And even though he went and preached to them and warned the people, they still would not listen. You know what it's like for, for us sometimes? We tell people, people that we love, maybe neighbors, maybe friends, maybe family, about Jesus and they don't want to hear. You know, in your heart, doesn't it, breaks for them. Because when you know the truth in your heart, what Jesus Christ has done, and the reality of Scripture doesn't become just something that you read, it becomes something that's life-changing to us. It changes us. And yet they would not listen. It's a time where people would not listen. And I believe it's a time like today, wickedness was rampant around us. And such in the days of Noah, people would be eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. Just a normal day. People will be going around their daily business, going to jobs, going to school, maybe attending a church service. People will be about just their normal daily lives and then suddenly, as the Bible says, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, as quick as a flash, as quick as a blink, God, Jesus Christ will call his church home to be with him. Isn't that exciting? That is so wonderful in a moment. But therefore, that is why the urgency of Christ is placing upon the church that we need to be ready every moment of each day. It is not something that we can think of as going to happen later on at a distance, but we need to have in our hearts Jesus Christ. People will be about their daily business. And it says, one will be taken. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding in the mill. One will be taken. The other will be left. That word taken is, is quite important because when you look at the word taken and in its context of other verses of Scripture, it's relating to something that is taken to be with. So when Jesus is talking about taken, it's taken to be with him. So one will be taken and the other left. That picture, you know, where somebody, uh, uh, maybe Christians all over the world, those born-again, spirit-filled Christians, people who love Jesus, the church that is watching and waiting, all of a sudden, in a twinkling, will be taken. Workplaces, jobs will be left half undone, half done. Imagine the impact that will have on the taxes. I mean, Christians, I mean, if we're living as we should, we should be living faithfully and, and, and paying the taxes and living righteously with integrity. Now these will be taken from workplaces. What about secondary schools? There's children who have been those moral students within the schools. Now they're taken. Things being left, maybe irons being left on and ovens being left on. The impact that will have upon the world suddenly, in a moment. And I tell you, we have a God who moves in sudden moments, don't we? You see throughout the whole of Scripture, God, Jesus, moves suddenly in situations. Therefore, we're always to be ready in these times. Such as in the days of Noah. As Noah escaped the, the, the flood, so you and I too, I believe, will escape the wrath that is to come. Praise God. I'm so glad to be a part of the family of God. I'm so glad to be saved. I'm so glad to know Jesus in my life. He goes on, watch therefore, for you do not know the hour for which the Lord will come. We don't know that hour. We don't know that time. For us, the church... For us that are taken, it will be a glorious day. It will be a day of rejoicing. It will be a day we're going home. Come on, we need to get it into our hearts and our minds. This is not our home. Don't get too settled on earth. For Jesus talks about, he goes to repair a place for us. He talks about his coming back for us. He talks again later on, we read about the new heavens and the new earth. 
We talk about the kingdom rule of Jesus. We have a home with the King of Kings as our Lord and as our Savior who will rule over us indeed. For us, it will be a joyous day. But for those who do not know Jesus Christ, it will be a hard time. Be a difficult time. Verse 43 says this, but know this. But know what? Know this. That if the master of the house had known that hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. If the master of the house had known the time, if you and I, if I could say to us, if we could say to the church, if we could really know the times that we were living on, we would not allow the house to be broken into. Like Jesus had already said earlier on in this passage, he'd warned the disciples and said there'll be times, there'll be deception will arise. If we've been aware there is deception all around us. He said the lawlessness will increase. If we had known the times, we would not allow our houses and our lives to be broken into. We'd be aware that Jesus Christ would come again. We'd not allow our hearts to grow cold. And I discern that in this time that I believe that many hearts are beginning to grow cold. It's like the, the, the coal in the fire, isn't it? As, as that coal is taken out of the fire, it begins to grow cold. I wonder how many uh, uh, in this time that we're in, we're unable to fellowship and, and meet together with other, other Christians. Maybe hearts are beginning to grow cold. We need to do everything we can to remain together. And I'm so proud and so pleased of the church. So many of you have been making phone calls, you've been connecting, you've been, been joining in, you've been linking in with us on Sundays and midweek as well. Keep the fire going. It's not just about meeting together with other Christians and having a good time. It's about fellowship. It's about meeting and, and praying together, coming around the Word of God together. And I like what our brother Jude said a, a, a number of weeks ago. He said to me, he said, it's not, it's not about, uh, it's about having the fellow in the ship. It's about having Jesus in the ship. Fellowship is about having Jesus in the situation in our lives. When you meet together, meet to stir and fan the fire in our hearts. The love of many will grow cold. The love of many will become lukewarm. In those days, had we been aware, we would not have allowed our hearts to grow cold. Don't allow the things and the pleasures around us and the things that are going on around us, the, the lifestyles, the, the to suck up our life and take our attention away from Jesus. Let's get into the Word of God. Let's get into the Spirit of God. Let's get into Him and allow Him to fan that flame that our hearts would not grow cold. Had the master of the house had known the hour the thief would come, he would have watched. That's the same for you and me. We need to take note. I need to take note of this today. We need to watch and be constantly ready. Keep our hearts burning and loving Jesus. Don't allow the passion for Jesus to grow cold. Do you still love the Word? Do you still love to spend time with Jesus? Do you still love to worship him and enjoy times with him? Do you still love Jesus? Is he still first and foremost in your life? Let that passion resound in your heart and life. Fan into flame. I would be my encouragement to you this morning. And then verse 45. Who then is his faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his house to give them food in due season. Notice this, blessed is that servant when his master, when he comes, will find him so doing. Surely I say to you that he will make him ruler over his goods. Who is the one that is watchful? Who is the one that is, is there ready? Is him who is wise and faithful. 
Wise in faith. Wise because they're constantly looking at the signs around them. They're watchful for Jesus. They're faithful to the things that Christ has given them to do. We need to be faithful for that which God has given. We need to be faithful with the gifts and the callings that God has placed upon us. No matter how small they may seem, be faithful with that which is little in your life. Show God your faithfulness. So when Christ comes, and it says in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith in us? Will he find us full of faith? Will he find us faithful to what he's called us to? Faithful with our time, faithful with our tithes, faithful with our, with our abilities, our giftings, faithful with our hearts and our attitude with our worship, faithful how we treat one another. Will he find us being faithful to him? Because he says, if he finds you faithful, then you'll be rewarded. You may not be rewarded on this side, but you will be rewarded. He will give you responsibilities. As he says, when he comes and he finds him so doing, he will make him ruler over his goods, over many things. I tell you, I pray that God will find me faithful with what he's given me to do. And my prayer for you and us today is that God would find us all faithful to the things he's called us to a faithful servant, a faithful son. Then he says, but if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying, he's coming. Do you notice that? If that evil servant says in his heart. He doesn't say says with his mouth, but says in his heart. It's that attitude that says, you know, well, it may be a long way off when Jesus comes again. I've got so much that I want to do with my life. He says he delays his coming. The evil servant. He didn't just say any servant. He says an evil servant says in his heart that he's delaying his coming. May that not be found in you or in me that we would have in our hearts and say, well, you know, I've got so much to do. When my children are older, then I'll have more time. When I've got things established in my life, then I've got more time. Then I can focus on being faithful to God. There's so many things I want to do in my life now. And we kind of delay the coming of Jesus in our minds, in our hearts. But Jesus will come at a time when he says, when he knows. The evil man says in his heart, is delaying his coming. And he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and an hour that he is not aware of. There again, Jesus emphasizes, I think this is the fourth time Jesus said those words, he will come at a day and an hour when he's not expecting and says when the servant is not looking. The servant is not even looking. And it still goes on to say, uh, let, me, let me just say this. It says he begins to eat and drink with the drunkards. Let me ask, what would God find me doing? What would God find you doing? If, if Jesus was to come right now, what would he find us doing? And I wonder if... If I was to go out and decide to go to, to nightclubs and begin to get drunk and, and just fulfill any, any pleasures that I may have, and then Jesus was to come again, should I expect him to come and take me to be home with him? According to the scripture, if I take it to the scripture, I would say no. What would the Father find me doing? What would he find me eating? Will I be eating from the table of the Lord? Will I be eating and feasting off his word, off his goodness, off his faithfulness, off his grace, off his mercy, off desiring him, off listening to his words? Where will I be feasting? A few weeks ago, and I can't get it out of my mind, where I believe the Lord woke me up in the night and showed me this table, this wooden table, 
and Jesus was at this table and, and how, we, how there were people sitting at this table listening to Jesus. It was a table of humility. It was a table of ministry. It was a table where we were being taught and being led of the Spirit of God. And then I saw another little trestle table being set up in the corner. There were those who didn't like the things that were being said that Jesus was saying, that things are being done. And I looked, and my heart was saddened as I saw this table being. And then they were urging other people to come and sit at this small table. And I began to ask, Jesus, what will happen to that table? And I just felt the Lord say to me, he said, what happened to the table in the temple? I turned them over. We need to make sure that we're feasting from the right table. We're feasting from the right table in life. We're feasting off the truth of his word. We're not compromising his word. Not just looking for things that we want to hear and feasting of things that will feed our flesh, but we need things that will feed our spirit of truth. They were eating and drinking and beating the servants. I pray that God will not find me gossiping, criticizing, pulling others down. Destroying other people with my tongue, with my life, with my attitude. But it will find me loving and blessing and praying for others. What will he find us doing? So often we can look at other people's lives and think, well, you're not doing what you should be doing, but it's all about me. What would God find me doing? And we all need to ask that same question. What will Christ find us doing? He says, if he finds him doing so, he, well, notice this verse Verse 50, the master of the servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him and an hour he is not aware of and he will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's pretty harsh words from Jesus. I'm thankful that they're his words, not mine. And Jesus is saying, he's saying to them, he said, how will we firstly be ready, be watchful, because Jesus will come at a time. We need to be living in a state of readiness every day when we wake up in the morning. We need to have in our heart day today, Jesus. Could this be the day? We need to be watching, having Jesus in our mind constantly. Do you think about, you know, often, you know, when, when I'm out and about and whatever I'm doing, whatever I do, I often think about how will this affect my marriage, what I do, who I spend my time with. We need to think, we have that in our mind. We need to be thinking about that with Christ. How we live our lives, what we do with our lives. How will this affect my relationship with Christ? When Christ comes, it says, what will he find us doing? If he finds our hearts not ready or prepared, living any way we please, it says he will cut him in two and appoint him the portion with the hypocrites. A hypocrite, by definition, is, is a, likened to an actor. Somebody who acts, acts and portrays himself to be something they are not. You know, as Christians, let us not be people who betray ourselves to be one way but are not. That we say we follow Christ, but actually in our hearts we're following after our own ambitions. Not being in our hearts that declare Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives. He's on the throne, and yet we sit on the throne of our lives. and It becomes about us and not about him. When Christ has given us so many giftings and, and, and things in our life to live and use for him, when we say, thank you, Jesus, but we use it for our own gain rather than using for him. We say one thing but live another. As it says in Timothy, as I said last week, and I read from Timothy, have a form of godliness but deny the power of God. And indeed, we could be living in days where there will be people who will be deceived. He will cut them in two. And that's a picture of someone being cut in two, being separated in two of, of, of their lifestyle, saying one thing and yet living a different life. And assign them a portion with the hypocrites. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
For me, I see that as a picture of hell, of destruction, of away from God. I think the urgency in this passage, if I'm reading correctly, and my understanding is that we need to be ready and watchful. We can't, can't afford in our lives just to live any way we think and think, well, hopefully I'll be there with Jesus when he comes again. Now, this isn't about us living a certain way so we'll be saved. As I said last week, it's not that you know, those who endure to the end will be saved. We don't endure to be saved, but we endure because we are saved. We live this way because of what Christ has done for us. We live in a way that we want to love Jesus, that we please him, that worships him. We give him our lives and we give him our all. Wow. What a wonderful day it will be when we come and stand before Jesus. What a wonderful day it will be for you and for me. When we get to be with Jesus again, we take him to be with him forever and ever. But while we're on this earth, may he find us faithful. May he find us ready. May he find us watching. May he find us praying for the lost souls, for those who may be in that lukewarm state, for the backslidden of heart, for those who do not know Jesus, for those who are lost and deceived. May he find us praying for them, that they would come to know Jesus too. I wonder if I could just take this time for us all here in this room and those who may be watching at home to give an opportunity for us just to respond to Jesus' words today. And I've read these words, and whatever your understanding of the end times may be, pre-trib, post-trib, whatever that may be, know this, Jesus comes again, and the message is still as clear as day. We need to be watchful, and we need to be ready. I wonder if we can just maybe prepare our hearts and just come before him. Let's be honest, Jesus sees our hearts. He doesn't see our, he sees our actions, but the intent of our hearts. Father, you know the condition of our hearts. And this day, Father, we want to be found ready and faithful. And Lord, I pray for anybody, myself included, if we are not in that right position with you, if we are feasting off the table of this world and not feasting off the table of the Lord, Lord, bring us to your table. Lord, if we have found that our hearts have become cold and lukewarm, we found that we're living for ourselves and not living for you. Lord, then set us right today. We confess uh, and repent before you today. And Lord, we surrender our hearts and say, Lord, I want to be found faithful. I want to be found a good steward. I want to be found loving others as you love me. Lord, help me right now. I confess my heart before you. Change my heart. Change my life. And may this day I never be the same again. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage us. I'm going to come around to communion. Yeah, you can come back, John. I'm going to partake this together. You know, communion is a very special time. And I know some of us here in the room have brought communion with us and are going to join with us. And maybe at home, you as well. I want to encourage you to do so and join with us. It's a time where we remember Christ. We join together. It's a time not only where we, we remember what Christ has done for us, but we also remember that Jesus Christ is coming again. And the Bible tells us to do this often when we meet together. Why? Because it's to remind us that he is indeed coming again, that we may not lose sight, that we would be ready. So as we take of the communion, and 
we're going to do so. The body that was broken for us and the blood that was shed for us. Firstly, I want you to pray for yourself and allow God to begin to minister to your heart and bring freedom where the Spirit of the Lord, He will bring freedom. But then I want us in the time of worship that we have together that we begin to pray for one another. Pray for those that may come into your heart, into your mind, into your spirit. Maybe praying for those lost souls. Maybe those backslidden or lukewarm. Pray your heart would get on fire, but then pray that other people's hearts would be on fire too for Jesus. Father, we want to come before you together. And we recognize that your body was broken for every single one of us. It was broken so we may be saved, we may be live, that we may be resurrected with you. We thank you, Jesus, for dying for us on the cross. And we thank you, Father, for your blood that was shed. Thank you, Jesus.